You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. Last week, we came to the end of one sermon series. We talked about Abraham, Abraham's faith and our faith called Faithful. We thought that was a fitting title. Uh, Next week, we're going to start Advent. We're going to be talking about Christmas. This week, uh, Thanksgiving takes place. So we thought we'd take uh, just a week and talk a little bit about giving thanks. Now, giving thanks is something that is actually mentioned in the Bible quite a bit. One of the most famous passages that talks about giving thanks comes from the book of Philippians chapter 4. Paul says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. And remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's by giving thanks that God's peace is invited into our lives. We don't dwell on the negative. We look on the great things that God has done. Now, the thing that stands out to me from this passage is what Paul says right in the middle of that passage. In every situation, give thanks. In every situation. So, what kind of situations did Paul live in? How did he, how did he find himself when he was writing the book of Philippians? Well, if we go all the way back to Acts chapter 16, what we see is the first time that Paul and Silas actually go to Philippi to evangelize the city. There in Philippi, they lead a lady named Lydia to the Lord. And that's, that's great. Then they start walking through the streets, preaching about the Lord, and a young lady begins to follow them. Now, the young lady begins to shout, these men are sent from God most high. Well, now that's accurate, right? But as day marches on in today, this lady keeps following him. She keeps shouting. Paul probably does a little bit of investigation. He finds out that this lady is actually demon-possessed. The book of Acts says literally she has the spirit of a python Insider. That sounds strange to us. But you got to understand that the python was Apollos' 
snake. And the python supposedly would appear at the nearby temple of Apollos in Delphi. And the python would forecast the future. That's the oracle at Delphi, the Delphi oracle. It was there so that you could go and find out what the future would hold. You could go there on Tuesday, ask for the Wednesday lotto numbers, and, and the Delphi oracle would tell you, and, and then you'd go out and make money or lose money, as the case might be. But the point was, she was demonized. Paul kind of figures, I'm not so sure that PR by a demon is a good thing. And so at one point, he turns around, looks at the young lady, speaks to the demon, and says, come out of her. And he comes out. She loses the ability to foretell the future. And her owners, who would sell her foretelling abilities to the general public, find themselves without a job. So they do what any good capitalist would do in that situation. They sue Paul. <laughs> they go to the authorities and they say, he's ruined our business. We want you to do something about him. So they come together and a mob actually forms against Paul and Silas. The city officials ordered them, first of all, stripped and then beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten. Then they were thrown into prison. And then they told the jailer, make sure that they don't escape. And so the jailer puts them in the inner dungeon, maximum security. And even inside maximum security, he brings in a set of chains and he puts their feet in stocks in everything give thanks yeah right <laughs> this is not a very pleasant situation that Paul finds himself in but this is before this is when Paul was in Philippi he's not in Philippi any longer He's moved on. He's writing this letter back to Philippi, probably from Corinth or more likely from Ephesus. And in chapter 1, verse 13, he says, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. He's at it again. Paul's in prison again. In everything, give thanks. A couple of verses later than this, Paul says, in fact, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ because whether I live or die, to me, living means living for Christ. Dying is even better. Paul says, my life is in jeopardy. In every situation, Give thanks. Can we really give thanks to God during difficult situations? 
You know, this gets back to, to, to something that we've been talking about here for several months. We've talked about it in a number of different ways. We come to the Lord, we, we accept the Lord, we ask Him to forgive our sins, and He does. And immediately there, there's a feeling of relief. We recognize when He's forgiven our sins. There's something inside us that, that reacts to that forgiveness. And it feels good. And we feel great. And we tend to think that if we just keep following Jesus, he's going to make our life better and better. We'll be happier than we ever were before. We'll be more comfortable than we ever were, were before. And then life happens. And bad things happen to good people. We get sick. And we look to God and we say, what's up with that? I thought you were the healer. Relationships break down. We get divorced. And we say, God, I thought marriage was like you being united to the church. We read the book of Proverbs and it says, raise up your children in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And then our kids grow up and they rebel. And we say, oh, didn't you promise? We get laid off at work. We get fired. And all of a sudden we're in financial trouble. And we look to God and we say, what happened? Why did you let this happen to me? Isn't God supposed to prevent these things from happening to us when we follow him? Well, apparently not. Paul found himself in very, very difficult situations. Paul, in fact, felt compelled to write the Philippian church and tell them, in every situation you find yourself, give thanks. Not just the good ones, the bad ones. And Paul presents himself as an example. Look at me. I'm in prison. Later on in this, in this, uh, in this epistle, he says, I'm in poverty. He said, thank you for the gift that you sent me. I was in poverty, being in prison. He's not able to work. He was probably hungry. Paul was even under the threat of death. So if all of that is true, what in the world would we ever follow Christ for anyway? What good is Christianity? Well, what we've discovered is that it's through Christ, that we find ways to face the tough times. Through Christ, meaning is given to our lives, even meaning in the middle of the tough times. 
Christ walks with us through the difficult times, through the bitter times, so that even during the tough times, we can find joy and even peace. The pilgrims arrived to North American soil in the fall of 1620. 102 passengers left England to come and start a new life here on this continent. They arrived late in the year, and so they made the decision that they would not go ashore and try to build homes in the middle of winter. Instead, they would stay on the ship. That winter on the ship, almost half of them died. 102 passengers left. By spring, there were 52 left. 50 of their number died during that first winter. Spring came and they came ashore and not quite knowing what to do, a local Indian named Squanto, a member of the Pawtuxet tribe, came to them and spoke English. It just so happens that Squanto years before had been abducted by a pirate and forced to serve the pirate for a number of years. He learned English and eventually he escaped, made his way back to the tribe. And all of a sudden in 1621, he finds a group of colonists establishing a village, and they spoke English, which he also spoke. So he introduced himself. He heard their story. They heard his story. And he began to share with them how to survive. He taught them how to cultivate the land and plant corn. They'd never seen corn before. He taught them how to extract sap from maple trees. They had no idea you could get sugar that way. He taught them how to catch fish from the rivers. By fall, the governor of the pilgrims, William Bradford, said, Let's have a feast of thanksgiving. Wow. Within the previous year, half of their number died. There was not a single family that was not directly affected by death. And William Bradford said, let's give thanks. But they said, okay. They spent four days hunting. They killed five deer, killed many turkeys, brought the turkeys to the feast. They caught fish. That first Thanksgiving had fish and lobster and eel. How many of you are planning on a nice dish of eel this Thursday? Oh, I actually see one. <laughs> that they had planted. They brought squash, which would have included pumpkins. They picked berries to eat, which would have included cranberries, but there were no potatoes. Potatoes came years later to North America. There were no sweet potatoes. There were no pies because the supply of sugar had run out. 
and they wouldn't have sugar until they had maple syrup the following year. There were 22 men, five women, and 25 children, along with dozens from the local Indian tribe. In every situation, give thanks. Now, the second time we see Thanksgiving in American history comes just after the Revolutionary War. George Washington proclaims a national day of thanksgiving. And he issued this proclamation, calling on Americans in 1789 to express their gratitude for the conclusion of the War of Independence. We talk about the War of Independence very glibly. Do you realize it was eight years long? For eight years, America hung in the balance. Families, villages, cities were destroyed. And George Washington said, let's give thanks. So on November 26th, 1789, America did just that. They gave thanks in a difficult situation. The next time, the third time, we see Thanksgiving again on the national forefront. It was when Abraham Lincoln made it a national holiday. Now, before he made it a holiday, uh, this lady, Sarah Josepha Hale, had become a magazine editor. She was an author. She wrote many poems, wrote many, many articles, was editor of a major magazine. She is the author of a poem that I'm sure you know. The poem goes, Mary had a little lamb. That's the author. She started a society to aid sailors. Her father was a Revolutionary War hero, and so she almost single-handedly raised money for the memorial of Bunker Hill and for the establishment of Mount Vernon as a historical site. But maybe the most significant thing that she ever did was she started in 1827. She started to call on America to establish a national holiday in which one time each year we would give thanks as a country for what God has done for us. That holiday was to be called Thanksgiving. Sarah Hale is known as the mother of Thanksgiving. 35 years later, Abraham Lincoln established Thanksgiving as a national holiday. And it's been a national holiday ever since. The year was 1863, just two or three weeks after Gettysburg. Now, in the Battle of Gettysburg, 51,000 soldiers died. In that one battle, that one battle, 
just by comparison, in the entire war in Vietnam, 58,000 soldiers died. One battle saw almost what America saw in the Vietnam War, death. Right after Gettysburg, Lincoln said, let's give thanks. And we have had thanksgiving ever since then. All three of these cases, the pilgrims, the revolutionaries, and now during the Civil War, shows us that we can indeed be thankful even in the middle of difficulties. I don't know what you're going through. Some of you I do. Some of you I do. I know some of your struggles, but not all of them. Some of you have struggles that you have not shared with anyone here, and that's okay. I'm not necessarily asking you to do that. But I am going to ask you to do something this morning. We need to learn to be thankful. So we have something for you this morning. We have small cards. Now, they're very small. Uh, the cards, as you can see, have many lines on them. At the top, it says, I am thankful for. We're going to pass out these cards. And what I want you to do is to carry these cards with you from now until Thursday. And every time the Lord brings something to your mind that you can be thankful for, write it down. No matter what it is, write it down. On Thursday, Thursday morning comes, take that card out and look at the things that you can be thankful for, even in the middle of whatever difficulty you're facing right now. We need to cultivate a sense of thankfulness, even in the middle of difficulties. So what do we have that we can be thankful for? Let me give you just some examples of things that we could be thankful for. We can be thankful for big things, things like family, friends. We can be thankful for our health. We can be thankful for freedom. We can be thankful for the church that God has called us to. These are great things that we can be thankful for, the, the big things. We can be thankful for silly things. We can be thankful for fuzzy socks. Who doesn't like a nice pair of fuzzy socks? Feels great, keeps your feet warm. We can be thankful for deodorant. I am so thankful that God gave you deodorant. We can be thankful for the handyman's secret weapon, duct tape. It can fix anything. Some of us are thankful for good hair days. Others of us, it doesn't matter nearly as much, but uh, we can be thankful for bacon. We can be thankful for things from Thanksgiving. 
We can be thankful for a time that we can spend with family and friends. Let's be thankful for laughter. God created us to laugh. I hope on Thanksgiving you have a couple of belly rolls. We can be thankful for pumpkin pie, especially for pumpkin pie. We can be thankful for family traditions, whatever they are, even the ones that we're creating. We can be thankful for the respect that God has given us for each other. We can be thankful for unique things as well. Literacy. The majority of the world is not literate. We can read. That opens so much. We can be thankful for challenges. We can be thankful for the forgiveness that God gives us. We can be thankful for little things, naps, the farmer's market. All we're saying this morning, we need to cultivate a focus on being thankful. We simply need to be thankful. From now till Thursday, write down what God has given you to be thankful for. When Thursday gets here, break up that list. And thank God for his incredible mercy. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.